This week in Ottawa Business Journal's Behind the Headlines, speculation about the future of offices and agriculture startup in Cornwall bringing produce to stores across Ontario and the impact of tightening restrictions on bars and restaurants. All this and more coming up right now. Hello and welcome to Behind the Headlines for the week ending October 9th, 2020. I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Behind the Headlines is a weekly podcast from the Ottawa Business Journal that explores the top local business stories of the week. And to do that, I'm joined by two of my colleagues, the Ottawa Business Journal, Peter Cavesi and David Sally. Hello to you both. Uh, listen, we're going to kick things off with uh, with something that might be one of the hottest debates Um uh, with entrepreneurs and uh, business owners, and that involves uh, their physical office spaces and what that will look like uh, in the future. Uh, Dave, you sat in on a uh, interesting chat between two uh, significant local people, uh, experts in this area. What did uh, what did they speculate about uh, when it comes to offices? Well, Mike, uh, as you say, this is a um, well. One of the biggest topics of discussion, really, uh, in the in just about any industry, and particularly in real estate. I mean, what um, what is the future of the office going to look like? Uh, as you know, everybody's working uh, still. Most of us remotely. We're all uh, we're all working either. Um, well, Peter, you're in the office, but Mike and I are at home, and uh, so are still many thousands of other people. And last uh, Thursday night, um, the uh, Ottawa chapter of the Financial Executives International Canada, uh, they had an interesting online discussion. There were probably about 30 or 40 people, and they're talking about the future of office space, what they think it's going to look like. Um, one of the key experts uh, on the panel is um, Meredith Thatcher. Uh, she's a workplace management uh, consultant, and um, uh, she has her own practice here in town. And, um, you know, she hit on a really key point, like... Um, Employer, employees are looking for flexibility, right? That seems to be the real byword these days. Um, and as we know, the pandemic has really forced employers to rethink their concept of the workplace. Um, as you know, we're all doing meetings on Zoom now. We can't have those traditional face-to-face -face sort of brainstorming sessions. So um, so this has led to a lot of experimentation, as Thatcher noted. Um, companies trying to figure out the best way to to go forward, how do how do we how do we you know navigate through this situation? And as, as she said, office life uh, really isn't for everyone. I mean, some people actually really like the freedom of working from their living room and being able to come and go work, kind of work their own hours and that sort of thing, not having that that um, that hectic commute every day. So she urged uh, she urged sort of the discussion to continue that experimentation and. She floated an interesting idea, the, the hub and spoke model, where you might have satellite offices in places like Orleans or Barhaven, so that not everybody has to gather at one central head office downtown or in Canada or wherever. Um, and, and, you know, she said there could be some interesting side benefits from this. You could, uh, th this could mean that, um, that smaller groups of people who don't normally get to kind of rub shoulders at work, they, they might meet one another. Uh, hey, they might find, figure out um, some new new ideas. They can sort of bounce uh, bounce um, ideas off each other uh, in ways they couldn't before in a much bigger, more impersonal office space. So, um, so you know, she really suggested that that 
could be one approach uh, that that might work and might actually lead to um, to, to some new, more creative approaches uh, to, to, to working and, uh, and solving problems. Okay. Uh, it's not completely a panacea. Like there wasn't complete agreement in that uh, discussion, Peter. And some people uh, uh, pointed out, and and uh, I'll ask you about this, that it's um, that there might be some downsides to the uh, hub and spoke idea. Well, it, it's a really neat concept, but when you have uh, three times as many offices, it also means you have three times uh, as many uh, cleaning uh, con uh, contracts to, to administer, three times as many uh, IT uh, setups to uh, to, uh, to to always iron out. So absolutely, this is a concept that has a lot of appeal, but it does come with um, additional administrative costs. So the question that's sort of left is, um, will employers see a return on investment on that sort of hub and spoke uh, model that would outweigh those costs? The, the other thing that occurs to me, Peter, is the hub and spoke might be more appropriate for really larger uh, companies, uh, companies with hundreds of people as opposed to twenty people. You're not gonna you're not gonna create an Orleans hub out here, you know, for uh, for three or four people. Uh, listen, uh, we're gonna move on to uh, the second story. It is, of course, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, we're in the bountiful harvest period. And um, there's a there's a Cornwall uh, company, a hydroponic grower, that is doing gangbuster businesses. And a, and a little bit uh, here, Peter, it's two Cornwall uh, companies coming together, one small, one massive. Uh, tell us what's going on. Well, again, just uh, as well, sort of highlight, uh, this is part of our OBJ regional series that uh, we launched uh, earlier uh, th th this year when we expanded our editorial mandate to cover businesses uh, beyond just the uh, the, uh, the confines of the, the national capital region. So as you mentioned, this story does take us to, uh, to Cornwall with two uh, really cool companies, one that we've all heard of and uh, one that maybe not everyone has, uh, has heard of. So this is a story that involves an indoor farming startup called uh, Fieldless Farms. And uh, it, uh, it grows uh, two types of uh, lettuce at its uh, 20,000 square foot uh, facility uh, in Cornwall. And uh, it really sort of had a big uh, breakthrough moment uh, when it did sign a deal uh, with Farm Boy that now sees uh, its produce on the shelves of 20 Farm Boy stores uh, across uh, Ontario. There's there's a couple of things though that make this company really really exciting uh, a really exciting one to uh, to watch one is market opportunity and the other is just the ambition of its uh, company's uh, executives so just on the market opportunity. Canada, every year we import billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of, uh, of fresh food, fresh produce. Um, and uh, of course, you know, in 2020, there is a lot of um, talk about uh, shortening supply chains and uh, more uh, domestic uh, capacity on, on on all fronts. And at the same time, when you look specifically at hydroponics and, and, and food, the cost of a lot of this equipment is going down at the same time that the uh, the quality of the equipment, the uh, the efficiency of the equipment is, uh, is, is going up. So it's certainly an opportunity there. Um, on the flip side, uh, um, the, the CEO of uh, Fieldless Farms, uh, John uh, Lomano, he's um, just, just full of ambition. The company uh, did recently secure some uh, some private capital to um, bolster its, uh, its its balance sheet, and he made it clear that uh, this uh, this is just a start for the company. He really wants to scale up. He has ambitions to uh, add more growing facilities uh, in various uh, Canadian cities in the uh, in the coming years, more types of uh, of, uh, of produce. So. Uh, like I said, the two uh, two sides of this this story really make it an interesting company to watch. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting story, and just to bring this down to uh, to the fields, as they might say, if I remember the story correctly, they can grow lettuce in twenty days. So a head of lettuce that's uh, that's that sounds pretty quick to me. I don't know how, how quick lettuce typically grows, but I was pretty impressive uh, impressed with that, Dave. Um, 
in terms of their business model, um, it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't really call it agri-tech uh, in the sense that they're not developing their own technology, right? They're, they're more employing other people's technology. Tell me why they're, they're picking that business model as opposed to something more uh, heavily involved in research. Uh, well, Mike, I guess what it really boils down to is, you know, um, uh, you know the uh, the old business philosophy. You've really uh, of how it's important to have a real focus. Um, they realize they can't be all things to all people, and they think that's what kind of sets them apart. They're not trying to do it all. They 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 leave the hydroponics technology to the experts. They say well, that's that's not what we do. We're all about um, figuring out the supply chain making sure we get these products delivered as efficiently as possible into as many stores as possible. And that's really where they're putting their efforts um, and, and really um, really honing in and, uh, and focusing on that side of the business. They'll, um, you know, they say they're willing to partner with um, all kinds, kinds of technology companies if that's what it takes to find the best solution um, uh, and the, the most efficient way to grow New produce, um, and uh, and and really, they say they they just feel like they're they're better off doing it that way, um, and uh, and and they and they're looking at, at basically they're focused on on getting pro striking that balance between automation and uh, manual labor, as they say, figuring out the best way to produce the products, get them on shelves, and as far as the technology goes, they'll leave that up to the experts. Okay, let's. Uh, thanks for that, Dave. Let's move on to our third story. And uh, as they say in the news business, this one's rapidly uh, evolving. We're recording this around 10 a.m. on Friday morning, I believe, as uh, the provincial cabinet is meeting and um, and considering rolling things back to what's being called right now as a stage two light. So we don't have the. Uh, we we can't comment specifically on the on the restrictions. Peter, you can bring us up to speed, however, with some statistics that were released by Statistics Canada in terms of employment in this sector. Uh, what did you hear on Friday morning? So these uh, new restrictions are coming down at a time when we are starting to see some uh, some signs of uh, uh, of a sustained. Uh, well, it might be premature to say sustained, but certainly a lot of signs of recovery uh, in the in the job market. So uh, Statistics Canada on Friday did release the latest uh, unemployment figures. Um, right away, my key takeaway from that is that the number of people who are working in Ottawa Gatineau hit its highest level since the pandemic began. So there were seven hundred thirty thousand uh, residents uh, working here. Haven't seen those sorts of levels since March. Um, March of, uh, of uh, 2020. So that was really uh, encouraging. The unemployment rate is still by uh, by local standards, pretty uh, stubbornly high at 8.6%. Uh, but uh, again, just sort of tying into um, the latest news that, that we're expecting to see on uh, the tightening of um, uh, restrictions on bars and restaurants is that uh, the accommodations and food services, which uh, of course has been one of the hardest hit uh, industries uh, throughout the uh, the pandemic, once again we're starting to see some of those jobs uh, come back. Uh, that that particular uh, in industry added um, more than a thousand jobs uh, la last month, uh, so it was about a seven percent uh, growth. So I guess there's two ways of uh, of uh, looking at that so through the. Um, um, Again, with the expected restrictions coming, is that uh, we are entering it at a bit of a modest strength, having gained some of that uh, that back, but uh, it also would potentially be interrupting interrupting a uh, a bit of a recovery that we're seeing. So, Dave, as I mentioned, we don't know the exact decision from provincial cabinet on restrictions, but you have been speaking to restaurant uh, owners, uh, bar operators. Um, what are they telling you this week? 
Um, well, yeah, like I, I, I spoke to some, uh, you know, obviously late last week when the when the province did actually ease some of the restrictions a little bit, uh, allowing uh, allowing more people uh, in in restaurants and um, uh, but you know um, also uh, limiting the number of people to six per table that sort of thing um, uh, and um, and and now uh, and and they were saying at the time that you know that they could live with um, they could live it was a good balance what the province had suggested at that point many of them were were suggesting. Um, we'll have to see now what happens this week. I mean, uh, and, uh, and today in particular, announcement is expected soon um, uh, after the provincial cabinet emergency meeting. It's likely there's going to be a big crackdown again. We're going to go back to stage two light, as they're calling it, which likely means indoor dining and drinking is going to be once again shelved. And if not, um, and uh, we've seen this week, uh, Summer Baird from the Hintonburg Public House uh, she posted on Instagram that on Wednesday, um, they did not have a single customer for the first time ever. Uh, and she's wow. been open, what, almost 10 years. Um, so, you know, we, I, I think it's pretty clear this is going to have a significant impact. There are many, uh, whether it's bars and restaurants, whether it's smaller gyms, uh, facilities like that, um, meeting centers, uh, you, you know, uh, that, that rely, I mean, are, are, are already really feeling the pinch and many of them barely hanging on, um, you know, a full shutdown again would, um, could, could be devastating for their business. And we might, who knows how many, uh, how many of them will, will be able to survive if this becomes an extended sort of lockdown. Uh, for sure, Dave, we'll be watching these developments with a, a ton of interest and, uh, hoping, uh, you know, for the best for the hospitality sector uh, here and uh, across the province. Um, Peter, we're going to start wrapping up now uh, and take a, a look ahead to uh, what's coming up. Uh, what do you have to share on that front? So next week, there's a really important date for the uh, local commercial real estate uh, community. It's the uh, the annual fall uh, Ottawa real estate show. This is uh, typically a, a fairly large uh, one-day event that brings together uh, investors, brokers, property owners, property managers, and and suppliers all, all together for a uh, lar large one-day conference uh, for uh, for uh, journalists that report on commercial real estate. It's just a gold mine of stories, both to take a stock of the uh, the industry and uh, and as well look ahead uh, to uh, to the coming year. Certainly, obviously, this year it's going to take on even uh, added importance given uh, what we we're just talking about earlier uh, in the uh, in the podcast with um, how significantly the commercial real estate industry has been uh, been affected by uh, by COVID-19. Uh, obviously rather than a one-day uh, in-person gathering uh, it's going to be virtual this year so it's going to be spread out over uh, two days so uh, that's the other part that's going to be sort of interesting. This is uh, again one of the, the flagship uh, local business conferences of the year. Now it's going uh, virtual so it's uh, just gonna be curious uh, if there's gonna be any sort of long-term uh, um, implications of that if um, if people are going to like that 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 format and it could have implications for for years to come or if this is just going to be a, uh, a one-time thing this year yeah it'll, it'll be fascinating to watch it'll be the you know the largest virtual gathering of the commercial real estate sector in Ottawa since the pandemic hit um, before uh, I wrap up I did want to say that another thing happening next week is is uh, a big announcement from uh, OBJ and the Board of Trade um, as people might recall, we announced our CEO of the year uh, just a couple of weeks ago, John Sicard of Canaxis. That's part of an awards program we do each fall called the Best Ottawa Business Awards. There are three uh, awards that are in fact pre-announced. The second 
to uh, be uh, pre-announced will come next week. And that is the recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award. And I believe it's the 10th time we've done that. So the, uh, a little bit of a milestone there. So I won't spill the beans, but I will uh, tease people to uh, keep on watching uh, obj.ca for that uh uh, for that news next week, it'll be a it'll be a great announcement, uh, a great local uh, business and and community leader. Uh, that's all the time we have for uh, this uh, podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can watch this uh, live. Sometimes you can also uh, look at look for it on uh, YouTube on uh, uh, on OBJ's channel. It is also uh, an audio uh, format on uh, Spotify, Apple. Um, SoundCloud and other platforms. So please, uh, uh, please try to check us out. And as always, uh, visit obj.ca on a daily basis for the latest headlines. Uh, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, on, on behalf of my colleagues, uh, David Solly and Peter Cavessi, I'm McCurran signing off. Hope to see you real soon.